vibes! Another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast presented by NBA 2K22. BJ, episode number 90. We're almost at 100. Already. Keep it a buck then, Mo. Keep hey. it a buck. Keep it 100. <laughs> now we're going to have to do something special for the fans. Keep it 100. Hey, hey, real name. No gimmicks. You know the vibes. Hey, no gimmicks. Hey, so here we are today, episode number 90. And we're going to answer a few of your questions that you guys have been tweeting into the show. So we're going to get straight into it without further ado. BJ, you ready? Yes. Okay. Yes. Let's get it. Let's get it. And, let's get and, it. And, and Andy Williams, Andy Williams is trying to cause problems. Andy Williams, oh. remember when I said I only know one or two Utah Jazz fans on the other show a few days ago? Mm-hmm. He's mm-hmm. one of the Jazz fans that I know. Because he sent in his question with a hashtag, big up Jazz Nation, hashtag not an island. When I said Jazz Nation isn't a nation, it's a little island with a few fans. Clearly upset because Andy's trying to cause problems because he comes in with a question Should the Harden Rockets have won a chip? AKA, I won the end of that conversation. Andy, we're not going to get into that right now because we're going to be here all day. <laughs> Respectfully, we'll be here all day. That's a conversation. The boobers, don't make the boobers come back hey, out. Hey, 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 hey. That's a conversation out. we're going to have in the off season, BJ. And we're going to address it with a full episode. Okay. Mo, Mo I need that conversation right now, Mo. No, no, I need no. that conversation right now, Mo. Mo we are, Mo. We're going to get into it. But you got to wait because we've got more questions from the people. And some of these I want to get your takes on. So I don't All know right. if we got the same ideas about some of these. Zubair, my brother from New York, says, should Zach Levine stay in Chicago? And what might his possible destinations be if he leaves? BJ Armstrong, put your mind into put your mind into the mind of Zach Levine. Where are you playing next season? Well, I, I want to go back real quick. You know, when Zach Levine signed this current deal, he actually went out and got an offer sheet from the Sacramento Kings. Yes, sir. Now, you know, I, I, he may forgive them, but he's not going to forget that. He's not going to forget that. Now, he's in the driver's seat, and he has the leverage. And I think that's going to play, have some, I think that's going to play into his decision-making process. I think if he does leave, I think he's going to opt to go to the West Coast. He's a West Coast kid. He's from Seattle, right? Just from Seattle. That's correct. You know, maybe we, Jamal, I'm sure Jamal Crawford will know exactly what he's going to do. Maybe we could get him back on the show at the proper time. Mm-hmm. However, I think he will look at all of his options. I think he will look to somehow get to the West Coast. And if it's not at one of those desirable destinations, then I think he circles back to the Bulls. That's what I think. Could Portland be an option for him? Again, I think he will try to get to the West Coast. Okay, okay, okay. If I was Zach Levine, I'd stay in Chicago. Why? They can pay you more money. That's where I go, wherever we've the money's seen, at. We've seen with this generation, Oh, yeah, it's not always about the money. So that One, argument now that's, goes that's fair. That's fair. I'm saying what that, I would That do. goes out. I'm not Zach yes, Levine. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm not Zach Levine, but I, I he's already he's made hundreds of He's going to take his time. Yes, I think he's going to take his time. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. We spoke about the San Antonio Spurs and a few other teams, but I know Jack will be happy listening to us mention the Sacramento Kings. Don't worry, Jack. We're not going to talk about the head coaching search that's currently going on unless someone's asked a question about it. But question number two comes in from Chris Rose, and he says, is the idea of stars over depth for the playoffs success still true? 
A lot of coverage pre-playoffs was suggesting it's true, but star teams have been falling short. Nets, Lakers, Sixers, compared to deep teams, the Suns, the Heat, the Grizzlies, and the Warriors. Now, I don't know if I agree with this question. Yeah, can you explain that question? Because, Mo, I didn't really understand the question. He said teams accumulating stars rather than trying to get depth on their roster is what he's asking. Okay. But he okay. used the Sixers as an example of falling short of expectations. Embiid's out with an injury, so I can't include them. But the Nets and the Lakers, definitely. Uh, in particular, the Nets, the lack of depth was obvious. But then when you say the deep teams, you talk about the Suns, who have Devin Booker, an all-star, could be an MVP candidate. They have Chris Paul, all-star as well. Then the Memphis Grizzlies, they've got Jar Morant. The Golden State Warriors have got Stephen Curry. So they've got stars as well. The Miami Heat, I get what you're saying. Jimmy Butler would consider himself a star and I'm sure in the mind of Tyler Hero, he's a star, but depth will always win out because it's a long season and the teams who don't have the depth suffer in a long season, they find themselves in a play-in or missing the playoffs for the Nets and the Lakers. You need the depth and what you see the most is when it comes to different matchups. If you can only play one style of basketball, aka the Dallas Mavericks right now, they don't really have many options coming in to adjust to what the Phoenix Suns are giving them. So it's all about matchups in the playoffs and the more depth you have, the more options you can throw at those matchups. BJ, what do you think? Well, you know, this is a star-driven league, Mo. Let's just call it what it is. And there seems to be a general idea on how to build a team, especially today in this new age of building a team with the analytics and the numbers and so forth and so on. You know, I've termed it, which has proven to be, you know, it works. You know, roster construction works, okay, mm. when you build it with talent and depth. However, we have a new way of thinking about it, and it's a star-driven league. And you're seeing the, the acquisition of disgruntled stars. You get the biggest names, you, you put shooting around it, and then if it doesn't work, it's because the stars didn't deliver. Well, if it does work, it's because, you know, they have pace and space. I yeah. don't believe that's the correct way. So I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a difference of philosophy because, Bo, in the end, the game always returns back to the essence, which is you have to have talent, you have to have depth, and you got to have a mixture of two where you're playing a, a blended brand of basketball. But that's what works. And this until someone does it in this other way of, you know, pace and space, we're going to continue to have these conversations. You know, my take on it is that you've got to draft your stars. You can't just hope that they sign a free agency because the teams that we're looking at, Devin Booker drafted by the Suns, Giannis drafted by the Bucks, Tatum drafted by the Celtics, Curry drafted by the Warriors. That's one thing to keep an eye on. But Paul Bernard says he would love to know at what point in his career BJ decided he wanted to be an agent and how the transition was. I think we're going to have to do a... That, that requires more than just a little, little answer. You know, that's a deep yeah. dive. That's, great we, question. We need, yeah. we need no, the book question. of BJ Armstrong coming soon. But he also says... <laughs> Will he represent Mo at any point? Absolutely. Mo's a star <laughs> and weighty. Mo's a star. We're negotiating that deal as we speak. And Mo is a tough negotiator. Believe me, you know, this guy is, he's a tough negotiator. So I, I'm trying. I'm trying. You know, bag, he, but... he's, he's tough. But, I, you know, I always say to BJ, man, I, I want a book about your life. I think a book about your life would be so interesting. We need to know if you guys want to hear that as well. 
Show some love to BJ on the timeline. Let him know. Yeah, he needs to tell I, I, his mean, story. I don't think it's interesting, but listen, you're too humble. Give the people the most, what they want. The yeah. Uh, speaking of, of your illustrious career, Dan Franklin, who always sends the most polite questions. I want to show some love to Dan right now. He says, thanks as always for the great content. Personally, you know, you guys have been a great distraction from things in life so many times. So Dan, big love to you. We're sending strength yes. and positivity your way. Whatever you're dealing Absolutely. with, we hope you get through it. And we're going to be here every morning to lighten up your day. He says, if BJ could choose any top, any moment from his NBA career to transform into an NBA top shot, what would that moment be and why? Now, BJ, if you don't know, an NBA top shot is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, what's NFT. a top shot? It's, a, it's an NFT, a non-fungible token. Oh. Essentially, oh, it's okay. a highlight. What's your number one highlight of your career? Because then the highlight becomes immortalized and then it's a serial number and people sell it and then it's worth money and people sell it and the higher the serial number, the more the money. It's, it, I'll explain it to you after the show, but... What is your number okay. one highlight or moment or play from your career? My 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 like, highlight, like your personal favorite. My, so it doesn't yeah, have to my be your personal favorite. Play, the one that is was I the made my very my I made my very first shot that I took as an NBA player. That was my yeah. highlight. Where was that? Because Where that, was that was game? It, it was uh, it was in Chicago Stadium, the old yeah. Chicago Stadium uh, against who? I can't. Remember. Oh, come on, man. Oh, we're yeah, going to have to go into the archives. I want to see who you got. Yeah, back. you got to go into the archives. But I made my very first shot. Okay. And that, like, you know, honestly, Mo, my very first, my, my, my greatest moment, my greatest moment was my very first practice. Okay. Yeah. That, 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 so nothing, that's when it became real. That's when it's like, I'm really well, it, here. Like, you, you, you know what, Mo? It wasn't real. It was like it never was, you know, Mo. Like, okay, all right. I, I, I'm saying this with humility. I'm saying it, but I'm going to just share you like how you think. Mm. Like, you know, you have these dreams, right, to play in the NBA. But I never had a dream to practice in the NBA. I never uh. had a dream <laughs> to move to like Chicago. I didn't yeah. have a dream of being a backup player. I didn't have a dream of like losing games. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. have a dream of uh, that. That wasn't part of the dream. The dream was I was going to play in the NBA and live happily ever after. Yeah. Suddenly, Mo, my very first practice, I had to get an apartment. I had to get a an automobile to drive. I had to get furniture in this mm, place. Yeah, I don't. I had to like. <laughs> oh, I had to like, like I had to like. Learn, start learning how to cook every day, get myself breakfast and all those things. I had to start washing my clothes. Back then, Mo, you washed your own uniforms and practice and all of that wow. stuff. I had I to call Nike. <laughs> yeah, I call, had to call Nike to make sure my shoes were delivered to my home. This, this was before they were delivering them to the, mm. it, all this stuff. Mo, yeah. I had to make sure. Like, okay. I had to make sure. So all of these things... You know, Mo, imagine going to practice two a days and I had to make sure I had 10 sets of practice because I was practicing twice a day. Yep. I wasn't like coming home after the first practice on let me just do my laundry and get my detergent. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, you had to, yeah, like, yeah. You got to do it. You, you know, know, and then you're going to be out on the road to, during the week and you got to have. Yeah. Every, yeah. And, and Mo, I remember I, I had to go out and get me a like like a, a, a notebook so I can keep my life organized. Like I had bills <laughs> to pay. And I remember, Mo, all of these things just so I could get to practice and be the best version of myself. 
Crazy. And I remember that moment because suddenly I realized no one told me about this. Oh, and by the way, I got to play. Yeah. And perform. Yeah, well, they, the <laughs> people only see the glamorous side of things. They don't see the hard yeah, work yeah. that goes into it. But and that was that's that interesting. Was, uh, that, that was a that's, yeah. That was my. I remember walking into practice the very first day and thinking, all of the steps it took for me just to get here. Yeah. You and, know this, what I mean? and this is why we need the book of B.J. Armstrong coming soon, co-written by yours truly. We're gonna get it cooking. <laughs> anyway, yeah. GA thirty four who. I was told it's not Giannis Antetokounmpo's burner account, has tweeted us saying, can you please tell Al Horford and Grant Williams to stop guarding me so well? Now, as fuel to the fire on the allegations that this is Giannis's burner account. But his question is, is it time for the Warriors to consider having Clay as the sixth man and start Jordan Poole instead? Interesting, because Clay has struggled mightily so far this series. He hit one big shot down the stretch, but other than that, it has been tough for him. BJ, if you were Steve Kerr, would you roll the dice on put in? Because he's no, not been afraid I, to experiment I, 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 with the lineup. No. And now Gary you, Payton's out, so you've got to change the starting lineup again. You 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 can't do that, Bo. And here's why. You know, Mo, you can have bad shooting stretches. You can play in bad games. Well, let me tell you something, Mo, I haven't seen in my NBA career. I, I've never seen it as an executive. I've never seen it with my association in basketball, not just NBA. Once you lose your confidence, Mo, you never get it back. Mm. Now, Clay Thompson right now has suffered not one, but two injuries that's going to take some time. And Mo, you've heard me say this. The fact that he's out playing is enough. Just go out yep. here and play. Give me and, what you got. And all he and needs to do is, is make one or two and then he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and especially... If the game, if the series goes to game six, we all know about game six, Clay Thompson. You don't want that man on the bench for game six. Give you don't me want him what you got. But now let me, let me, let me tell you what's it, what that man has inside him. There's two you can't measure. You can't measure what's inside a man's mind, mm-hmm. and you can't measure what's in his heart. Now let me tell you this about Clay. Now Clay Thompson is coming back from an ACL injury and an Achilles, but Clay Thompson ain't scared now. No, he's the chief. He, he might have, <laughs> and and, and uh, Clay Thompson, half ball will shoot. Yeah, <laughs> now, he's now, not afraid to let it fly, and he, I love it. Now, and I love it. You got to roll with him, and I respect. I respect because all of us are age. You know, all of us players will age, and all all of us will get old. I respect. Steve Kerr for rolling with Clay Thompson. And they're going back home. He's due to have an explosion one of these nights yeah, he, and just and just go yeah, off completely. You know but so I, I respect yeah. it. But so, I, I understand what's being said, but I respect what's happening here. And Clay Thompson deserves this level of respect, by the way. Yes. Most He's definitely. Earned it. He's most earned definitely, this. without question. So the next question comes in from Connor O'Neill. BJ, I'm gonna need this one. Just two names and one number. Okay, I'm gonna hit you with the question. Two names and one number. Can you give a realistic idea for Dallas this summer? One player they should trade for, one free agent they should target, and the maximum they should be willing to pay Brunson. That's quite a lot for one question. That is a lot. That is a lot. Maybe, maybe we need to do a whole episode on that after Dallas get eliminated. Maybe well, yeah, we, get, well, I, I, maybe I, we have I'm to start circle with, the block. And I'm going to start with Brunson. But go ahead. You know, it's going to be very limited what's out there. There aren't a lot of teams this year that has a lot of money. I think Brunson... I think he will probably be north of 20. How far will determine what's out there on the open market. But I think he's earned that, whatever that may be. 
what player should they target? I think what they should target is an athletic big that can play vertical basketball. Okay. I think that's essential for them, right? A, a big athletic, because what you saw last night, okay. I'll just take, if you watched the game last night, Bo, which we did, there were two players in particular that really hurt them. Well, it's really three players. Deandre Ayton has really hurt them. Okay. Just cause he's big, he's athletic, mm-hmm. but then their backups, JaVale McGee and Bismack Biyombo. Those level of athletes, that's mm-hmm. what you, you got to have. And that's what I said to you. I called you during the game and I said, BJ, why do the Mavs yeah. keep getting these guys who are big yes. because they want three-point shooting bigs, but they need to it. be tough on the inside. I get why they've got them there, but they need an enforcer on the middle of the court defensively you to need, protect the rim and offensively. There you go. Luka will feed him lobs all day. You, you can eat 15 you, points a night off lobs from Luka Doncic. Oh, no, you took the words right out of my mouth. So we, we they need it. players like that. You yes. need players like that. You got, you, you, if you're going to go deep, you need that. Okay. And then what was the other, what was the other, what was the other question? It was three parts. Free of agent. Question. Who should they go? A free agent. And a tra- I guess it's a similar thing, but if you've got a name in your mind that you'd go. Well, after, yeah. Again, Mo, I would like to see them get an athletic wing a la a Scotty Barnes. Mm. You know, I love what Toronto is doing. like that. An OG no, Ananobi no, no, no. type uh, player. Yeah, someone like that that can just be versatile and really complement what Luca doesn't do well, which is obvious what he doesn't do well last night. By the way, they were targeting him on the defensive. Oh, yeah, 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 horribly. Okay. Horribly. That's a whole so, other conversation. Yeah, I just, I'm not, yeah, Scotty Barnes is going to be probably in Toronto for the rest of his career. But a player like that who can handle the ball, could defend and initiate, because Spencer Dinwiddie showed me what's really missing from this team. You got to have multiple people who can initiate the offense. And I think that would be a true asset to the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, speaking of, you know, free agents, Will, MCFC Will, has asked which free agent should contenders be targeting with the mid-level exception? That's a very, very in-depth mm. question. Somebody's that question a, that's a great question. You know, for me, I think uh, one guy that people have forgotten about is Gary Harris. He led the NBA in shooting from the corner. From the right-hand corner, he shot 47%. And when he's healthy, he's a good perimeter defender. Dare I say, a very good perimeter defender when he's healthy. He's been in Orlando for a year and people have forgotten about him as he was part of that Aaron Gordon trade. But now he's had the summer to get healthy and when he bounces back, if I had a mid-level exception, I'd look at look at calling Gary Harris because every contending team needs defenders that can shoot the basketball as well. BJ, you got a name in mind? Who are contenders, the types of player contenders should be targeting? And no one really stands out to me at the mid-level, right? Because... What most teams do, especially the good teams, they divide up the mid-level. Yeah. Okay. So what you want to do is you you would like to have talent and divide up the mid-level other than just getting the one player. Because clearly, if you get a player at the mid-level, that's because the market, if you get a player at the mid-level, right? If you got a, let's say, Jalen. Chicago you say, used uh, on Tristan uh, Thompson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like like Jalen Brunson, for instance. Yes. Like if the market dried up and then that's all that's left, then you, you're getting a player. You're going, we, we got him below market value, okay? I don't know if there's going to be a player like that that's going to fall and just you want to give entirely. That just comes right off the top of my head. Okay. So for the most part, I would have to take a look at it. 
but you're going to wait to see a player who maybe should be a little above that market. And then you'll see that, that, that will fall, you know, in that, in that space. And, and, and the name doesn't come out, you know, I can't think of anybody right off the top that, you know, that I say, you know, get that guy. I feel you. Well, we've got a few questions about the refereeing going on here. Mm, okay. um, we've got a question from Ryan Woodcock, who says, I've seen a few videos circulating that Jamarant travels frequently and it's overlooked by the refs due to his speed and style of play. Do you think there is anything in it or do most players who dribble at the speed do it and he's being singled out due to his growing fame? Well, the first thing I'd say, if you've not been up close to an NBA player, they're way quicker than they look on the TV. When you see NBA players playing basketball in real life, they look, they look very quick on the TV, but when you're there in person in your court side, it's all a blur. So big respect to the referees for trying to keep up with them in the first place. I always think referees have the most insane cardio to be running up and down the court with NBA players. Anyway, mm-hmm. the videos in which you're talking about is to do with Jamarant having his hand underneath the ball. There's a video where he takes two steps with his hand underneath the ball, carrying it, continuing his dribble. The NBA reviewed that and have actually said that should have been called for a carrying violation. But yes, I think the internet is the problem because now we see snitches all over the internet. I saw a Grizzlies writer t- tweet today. Um, well, when when um, Dylan Brooks fouled Gary Payne in the second, um, you know, Jordan Poole actually got up and left the bench. And this is actually a violation that warrants a suspension. What kind of snitching is this? Stop snitching. Where to, uh, where to, uh, the OGs stop snitching. Um, so I think the internet and everyone having access to the footage and all of that, what's done in the game is done in the game, and, and that's that. BJ, what do you think? That I think game three, the refs will be harsh on John Rant because of all this constant barrage of oh, he did this, he did that, he did this. Oh, blah, blah, blah. back in the day, you couldn't have that. You've seen it on TV, ain't no one rewinding it to see a carrying violation. Well, in my, in my opinion, this is this is gamesmanship, and I think Steve Kerr is laying the foundation of gamesmanship okay steve kerr played for two of the greatest coaches who always worked in the media during the playoff series right one being greg popovich and the other being phil jackson you write the narratives he chose his words carefully and how he described the dylan brooks incident he wanted to make sure that he brings attention to the referees they are human and he knows that he's going back home And the home crowd, if things don't go right, they're going to get on who? The referees. Mm -hmm. Now, Steve Kerr understands gamesmanship. He's said things without saying anything. That's an art. So I give Steve Kerr credit. He knows that this is a very dangerous team that he's playing against. Why? Because youth is on their side. he, He understands that they have a player that's capable of getting 40 or more points in a game. And if you can get 40 more points in the game, you probably got a pretty good chance. Yes. You probably got a chance. Well, you got a chance. A lot of Grizzlies fans are, are kind of, they're upset too. James O'Toole says, what's going on with the refereeing in the playoffs? Bear in mind, James is a giant Memphis fan. He loves when we talk about the Grizzlies. He says, will the refereeing get fixed? So many horrible and inconsistent calls along with so many whistles. I agree that there was a lot of whistles, but I think it's not unfair against any one team in particular. I think there is a lot of just, just whistles in general that we don't usually see during the playoffs, you know, um, more than I expected. You expected it to be more physical. I don't like all the fouls, I, but I'm that guy. I, I've never called a foul ever. You know, when you go pick up and people call fouls and pick up, I think it's disgraceful. If someone fouls you, foul them back. I ain't calling no damn fouls. That's not my style. 
But I get it. I get it. BJ, you think there's too many whistles being blown? No, I, I don't. Players are just. That's one thing. This is one thing I know. You know, Mo, I don't, I don't share this with a lot of people, but I'm going to share it here. You know, my dad, my whole entire life was an official. In the NBA. Yeah, my dad, my dad, he he didn't, he never got to the NBA. My dad refereed high school basketball. Oh, and okay, he didn't yeah. want to advance. He didn't want to advance. He didn't want to go anywhere else. He didn't want to go because he didn't want to leave. Yeah. He didn't want to like travel. When I say travel, you know, yeah, NBA referees. So people He's, don't understand NBA referees get assigned to a different city almost every, every day. Every day. It's an yeah, insane schedule. Yeah. And then, you know, he didn't want to have to be going out West and leave the family and all yeah, of this. Yeah. And he just, so he, so my, my dad actually advanced to like the president of the officiate officials in the state of Michigan, where I grew up in Detroit. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So my dad was an official and my dad was always in charge of all the pro officials when they would come back, because believe it or not, these guys have to stay in shape too. Right. So yeah. all of the summer leagues and all of those things, that's how these guys would stay in shape. So my dad, many of the officials, all right, which they would always come to my house. And I knew all of the NBA officials who were from Michigan, <laughs> they would be at my house. So I got a chance to see the human side of these officials. And trust me when I tell you this, when they, when they don't have a good game, it bothers them. Just like players. They know when they make mistakes, they want to get it perfect, right? Mm. And Mo, you made a great point. You know, when, when I was start, when I was playing, when I first came in the league, there were only two officials. Yeah. And then they went to three officials. Why? <laughs> because it is, you know how hard it is, Mo, to have to play 48 minutes. Those guys can't miss. They can't go on the bench either. They don't get, yeah, like, exactly. they, they don't get to sub out and rest midway through the third quarter. Okay. So I saw the type of conditioning that my dad and his colleagues and all of those people would do. I saw the hours of tape and learning about the game and, you know, and all of these things. So, Mo, I always had a level of respect for these guys, you know, Mo. And most people don't know this, Mo. I never got a tech my whole career. I respect it. Because if okay. I played in the NBA, and I would have had a tech every damn game. <laughs> yeah, and the reason being, Mo, is because I saw how it bothered my, my own dad. And all of those guys, and well, these guys would spend hours and hours on end looking at one play and how they could have gotten in better position. Mm. And that's an interesting cause. So, I, you know, it, it, you know, it was these guys are human, and just like a player. You know what, Mo? You, you don't play well all the time. It's not like the fish would be like, come on, BJ, you suck tonight. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I always, I always understood that and back then mo not so much now you actually could talk the to the officials and many of those guys one day when we go to a game together i'm still friends with all of those guys and 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 some of my favorite moments and memories in the nba is the things that they said to me during the game because some of those guys are funny as you don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. before they've instituted all of this, you know, playback stuff. 
Yeah. Those guys that, you know, before you had the microphone, that's why I don't really like the microphones. I think it's great for the fans because, you know, I think the fans enjoy it. You know, you yeah, hear the yeah, guys you talking. get an insight. Yeah. Oh, some of the stories. We're, we're going to have to do a referee. We're going to have to do a referee special. These guys were some of the funniest and the technical files that they used to call before people were getting mic'd up was some of the funniest. <laughs> <laughs> the- shout, out to, shout out to Joey Crawford. Shout out yeah, to Joey oh, Crawford, jo- the OG. We're going to have to jo- save that. Joy is my guy. We're going to have to do a referee special. We're going to have to do a referee jo- special. It, some of these guys, Mo, were the funniest people I've ever encountered. And it's very unfortunate now that they're all mic'd up. Because, Mo, before they were mic'd up, the things they would say... <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, we're gonna have to talk about that. We're gonna have to talk about that. But yes, yes, James yes. Stone says, "Why do you think the media and pundits never take the Miami Heat seriously?" Well, I don't think that they it's not taking the Miami Heat seriously. I think the Miami Heat are just doing what they need to do. Like I said earlier this week, they're beating a Sixers team without Joel Embiid, who clearly struggle a lot without him. They're beating a Atlanta Hawks team. They beat them very well, by the way. There was great defense played, but. That was the eighth seed who made it in through a play-in tournament. The Atlanta Hawks were horrendous this year. So I think when the Eastern Conference Finals take place, the media and pundits will talk about the Miami Heat seriously when they actually have a series that they want to talk about. But right now, the only reason they talk about the Miami Heat is if they didn't do what they were expected to do and they were losing to an Embiid-less Sixers team. BJ, what do you think? I think the Miami Heat are one of those teams where we look at their roster and we say, you know... They have depth. They have talent. They have a star player. They have a couple of star players, right? You know, and you can even put Tyler Hero in there. So then maybe they got multiple star players. But they don't have that player. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they've got Jimmy star Butler, players, but they don't have a superstar. Jimmy Butler and Bam, they, they're, they, these guys are perennial all-stars. You know, Tyler Hero, six man of the year. You know, you look at... They don't have what what Brian Scalabrini said on our show when he said a supernova player. They don't have a a Giannis, a Tatum, a Steph that's going to go supernova. But if they can... And that's what drives the ratings. Yeah, and 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 I think that's... that's If they get to the conference finals and they look like they're going to win, there's going to be a lot of talk about the Miami Heat. But Matthew McDonald wants to know, BJ, if you could play one-on-one against any current NBA players, who would it be? If I could play one-on-one against a player? Yes, yes. Because I'm a guard, it's going to have to be a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he he has a little nastiness with him, and I respect it. It's Chris Paul. Yeah, I I, I would like to play. Chris Paul could have played in in our era the way he plays, because he's nasty. Like you know what I mean, like. And what I like about Chris Paul, he hits you and you hit him and it's never personal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you hit him and then all of a sudden he's like, no, man, you can't hit me. That's a foul. No, he's like, oh, OK, you got me good on that one. I will get you back on the other end. I hmm. respect that about him. And he's got a level of nastiness about him. That I really, really respect. Like, you know what, Mo? I was watching him last night. He takes everything personal. And what I mean by Matt Mo is this. When he was a young player, Mo, 
he went after Jason Kidd as a young player in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Okay. He went after Jason Kidd. Now, last night, Mo, you watched the game and I watched the game. He was saying a little sign Luka, to the bench. No, Luka Doncic has a reputation now where Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks, they pick on a player and they get the matchup they want. They'll just keep setting the screens till they get the player they want. Mm-hmm. Luca had an incredible game, 47 and all of those things. Now, Chris Paul did something last night, Mo, that I was just dying laughing. He, whoever Luca Dodgers was guarding, he went after Luca. And every time he would score, Mo, you got to go look at it. It's one of the funniest things ever. He would look right at the yep. bench. Yep. He looked right at he looked right at Jason Kidd. Mm-hmm. Well, there was one, but this said, is what I was referring to. He said something as well. Yeah, he, he you know, he said, okay, you want to pick on us? We're going to pick on him. And mm-hmm. what you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he didn't sugarcoat it. He didn't take it personal when they picked on him. He went right after him. And the guy is a like phenomenal. He's a, he's a competitor. And he, 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 and he does it in a way that I respect because you know what? Say what you want to. The guy competes. He takes his lumps, but he gives, he gives it out too. You know what I mean? So he would be a player that you would, you know, could play in that era because he would set screens. He would sacrifice his body. He's incredibly talented. Okay. He, he definitely has the little man syndrome too, by the way. Yeah. If most, you post most, him up, most he goes crazy. Definitely. He goes most crazy. Definitely. So, I mean, he would be a guy that, you know, you'd be like, okay, I got to get ready to play against him. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if I had to play one-on-one against an NBA player, it makes no difference because they would all destroy me because NBA players I have played against one-on-one absolutely destroyed me. I even had Mutombo block my shot at the age of, what is he, 50. Mutombo swatted my shot all the way into the stats. Okay. Every one-on-one player I've ever had with an NBA player has absolutely destroyed me. But I would take any NBA player who I'm taller than and heavier than. Maybe like Ish Smith, just so I can just push him a little bit and that'd be my only chance of hitting a few hook shots in the paint. That's my only That's my only chance of getting a bucket. Because anyone else, they're oh, going to yeah, 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 you see, you want to you win. I just want to compete. It doesn't... The winning part, but it's not competitive. You know, I, I can't play Kawhi Leonard. It's, it's 21 0 yeah. three minutes into the game. This is not competitive. But but Rob Moody says, with everyone shooting a lot of threes these days, do you think you'll ever see a team score 200, maybe in an overtime game? I think in an overtime game. Yeah, we can have a triple OT, and I, I think we can get there. Easy. I think the Pistons one time in like the, the 80s or so scored 186 like or something. Yeah. Yeah, I think someone would do 200. I think so. I, yeah. I think that it's just a matter of time when it's going to happen, but it's going to require some, some, you know, overtime. Well, I also think that they should change the halfway line to a 4.9. Um, but that's a whole nother discussion that we can get into. Kevin oh, Wilson has said, what would be more beneficial to the sport in the UK? Bring in more regular season games over, similar to the NFL, or have NBA teams come and play against British teams during the preseason? Kevin... If NBA teams came to play British teams, with all due respect to my friends who play in the British League, there is no competition there. There is zero competition. 
it would not be fun. It would be harder in NBA practice because the British League struggles to attract the level of talent in the NBA. How many NBA players are in the British League? None. Like, come on, man. Um, that's with all due respect, though, um, because the game is getting better here. Um, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of things I could do to help the sport here in the UK, but getting NBA teams into play against them is not one of them. We've only got a couple of questions left, BJ. We're almost done over here, but Spencer Easter B1, if that's his second name, Easter B1? I don't know. Spencer says, will the Warriors not signing a big man in the offseason affect their championship aspirations, especially with teams that value a big man like the Suns? I think, I think yes. If there's one, yeah, I think if there's one thing that's obvious in watching the Warriors is their lack of size. Yeah. And you'll see. I mean, it's basically four small guards and Draymond, right? And, and Draymond, Draymond is six not six. like, <laughs> yeah, six at, six. at best, at best. Yeah. Okay. So, it's clear to me what they're, you know, what they're lacking. And I was expecting the kid Wiseman to come back this year and his size and athleticism, you know, um, it's, I, w- I wasn't even expecting to see Kaminga on the court more, but for whatever reason, he hasn't because he looked like he's going to be a terrific player. He is. He really looks like he has a chance. So I think they're going to need to, to get a big, especially with the health of Wiseman. I mean, he's been, Kind of and hopefully he gets his back. first two years. Hopefully he gets Yeah, back. hopefully. You know, I, I, I think I like his talent. Years. I really like his talent. So I the really last do. question is from Pierce McGlinchey, who always asks great questions. He says, which player should the Timberwolves try and sign to play alongside Cat and Anthony Edwards to form a big three, which would turn them from playoff contenders into championship contenders? Pierce, I'm going to give you the realness. They need to trade Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is part of the big three for me. I don't want to see that if it was my team. So I don't know who you're going to add unless you're going to add Giannis or... Or Steph Curry, John Rand. Of course, any of these big names would turn any team into a contender. But for me, you want to build around Adsy Edwards and get Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell out of there. BJ, what are you doing? Well, I, I think there's a, you know, Mo, that's an interesting take. But I, I, I think this. It's going to be interesting to see what they're going to do with D'Angelo Russell. To me, that will be the trigger that will do the others. Anthony Edwards... I agree with this. I think he is he is a terrific young player. I think he has the talent. I think he has the toughness to be able to shoulder the responsibility, at least what it looks like on the floor. I don't know him and I don't, I'm not there every day, but he looks like he has the talent to shoulder the responsibility as the number one option. I think D'Angelo Russell, if I believe correctly off, off memory, if my memory serves as well, he's like a max player or somewhere. Yep, near, he signed that big. There. He was involved in the sign yeah. trade with Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. So I think whatever they decide to do with D'Angelo Russell will probably, you know, are they going to get another, you know, lead guard? Are they going to get a player that will complement Carl Anthony Towns? What will they decide to do there? I think will determine the fate of the rest of those guys, in particular, Carl Anthony Towns, uh, assuming that they're going to make a decision there on D'Angelo Russell, because they played for great lengths of time in that last game without him. And I don't know what that means, but I do know that they're going to have to improve and what they decide to do, because that's not normally a free agent destination, Minnesota. Yeah. So I think whatever they decide to do, will determine the outcome. But I agree with you with this. This kid, Anthony Edwards, he's the real deal. 
And I think it will serve them well to start there first and then build out and, and see what they can do and build a team around him. Well, the only question that remains is have you subscribed to the Hoop Genius podcast? Yes or no? Because if you haven't, I suggest you press that button right now because we're going to be back next week breaking down the weekend's action as the playoffs continue. We might see some teams advance oh. to the conference finals. We're going to have more hot takes. And you know, we've got some conversation to continue, BJ. I was getting under BJ's skin on yesterday's episode. Uh, I know I'm ready. I'm ready for have you. To be back. I'm ready for you. And you know, you had to go and all of that. So hey, hey, you know what? Me and the people, we're ready. You know what okay. I mean? Okay, I'm gonna be we're, here. We're ready. I'm gonna be here, but to make sure you don't miss, <laughs> make sure you subscribe. We're on YouTube as well. Subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify, subscribe on Apple. It's free everywhere you go. It is completely free. Don't worry about all of that. Leave us a review or a rating. If you enjoy the show, leave a five-star rating. It's greatly appreciated. It helps support the show. Have a great weekend, my people. Enjoy the NBA action. BJ and I are going to be on TV. You're going to see us on Skype Sports, and we might even be on the radio too over in America for any of our American audience. Follow us on Twitter. You'll get the info on that. But until next time, have a great weekend. Enjoy it, my peoples. And as always, get buckets.